Hello. And welcome to Be Kentucky. I'm Quinn. And I'm Laura. And is there anything we want to talk about before we get into this week's creepy world topic? Creepy world. Um, no. Yeah. Are you feeling better? Are you still feeling better? Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, that was pretty scary. It it was. That was really painful. Yeah. Anytime you hear, anytime you're trying to do something, you fall down and you hear crack, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, that was kind of scary. But <laughs> we're, we're doing good. So... <laughs> Uh-oh. Did you get an x-ray? Oh, Joe wants to know if you got any x-rays. Nah. She it's feeling better it. now. It's so feeling better now. It's probably just bruised. Yeah. <laughs> oh, itchy. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go back to work. I never thought I'd say that, but... <laughs> Well, you wouldn't be saying if you worked at your old job, so there's that. It's true. <laughs> but of You'd course, like, I'll go back, and then I'll be like, oh my god, I can't wait until yeah. the weekend, or I can't wait until I get hurt again. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I wish I was still hurt. Yeah, can't throw myself down the stairs just to get off work. <laughs> that might be, for me, that might be the only way I get off work, so, you know. That's true. Huh? Joe says he can crack my back. I bet he can. Yeah. <laughs> With a chainsaw. Yeah. All right. So, because it is the 25th anniversary, basically this week, of the uh, unfortunate death of Princess Diana. <gasps> yes. I was like, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to talk about today. Okay. Yeah. The life, the death, and the conspiracy theories around the death of Princess Diana. Okay. I'm All right. Good. So, uh, the Honorable Diana Frances Spencer was born July 1st, 1961 at Park House. Uh, that is on the Sandringham Estate, uh, which the Queen owns in Norfolk. Okay. And... Um, so they rented it from the queen. Um, so she, when she was growing up there, she spent a lot of time, well, not a lot of time, but she spent some time with the queen's younger children, uh, Edward and the nonce. Okay. And if you want to know what a nonce is, just look up Prince Andrew. That's what a nonce <laughs> is. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. So her father was Johnny Spencer. Uh, he was also known as Viscount Althorpe, Althorpe or Altrup, depending on who you ask how to pronounce that name. Oh, right. Yeah. And <laughs> it varies. Her, yeah. Althorpe depending was, on the accent. Yeah. It depends. Well, the BBC pronounces it one way, and apparently other people like in the neighborhood pronounce it a different way and I don't fucking know like <laughs> I mean I mean far be it from me to contradict the BBC because you know but you know 
so her his, her mother was Frances Roach, and so she was Viscountess Althorpe, and she had a sister Sarah who was six years older, and a sister Jane who was four years older. And her father was the heir to uh, Earl Spencer, and his mother, his mother had been a lady in waiting to Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. Okay. And her, so Diana's mother's parents were Lord and Lady Fermoy, and Lord Fermoy's mother was a lady called Fanny Work. And although Fanny Work sounds lower class, she was actually the heiress to a multimillionaire American stockbroker named Frank Work. You go, Fanny Work. Yeah. And Frank stipulated in his will that his grandchildren had his name and not marry a European or travel to Europe. Uh, but, but his grandson, Maurice, totally ignored all of that and so he went to Europe <laughs> married a, an English girl and uh, you know uh, so and thus Fanny Work was yeah. born and thus uh, yeah just thus Fanny was born uh, I mean he did she did take his name uh, they were very well, close in name Fanny he and- was well her son was supposed to take the work name and he didn't. Fanny married a, a man named Roach or whoever Fanny, yeah, a man named Roach. Mm. And, yeah, he did not take. <laughs> he was supposed yeah, he to take, the work, take the work name. <laughs> so, yeah, oops. Oops. Uh, oopsie. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Princess Diana's grandmother, Ruth, was a talented uh, piano player who attended the Paris Conservatoire until she married Maurice. And she was also a, a friend and companion of uh, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Diana also had a brother, John, who died just hours after his birth in January 1960. And this was the son and heir that her parents had desperately wished for. So they needed a son to inherit the Spencer family title and land. And huge pressure was put on Diana's mother, Frances, to keep conceiving babies until they had a son. And Diana, yeah, Diana reportedly always felt guilty that she wasn't a boy. But in 1964, the Spencers did have a son named Charles. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in 1967, when Diana was about six, her mother left her family and moved in with a man called Peter Shan Kidd, who was a, an heir to a wallpaper fortune. And Ooh. yeah, I'm big oh, wallpaper. wallpaper. Okay. Yeah. Glad uh, that's uh, yeah. still relevant. Uh, you wouldn't think so, but I mean, there's like, I don't know. <laughs> Wallpaper so, is still big. It's still big in the UK. I think it's still, I think it's bigger in the UK than it is here. Okay. That makes yeah. more sense then. Um, so Frances sued for custody of her children and she lost. 
and her own mother testified against her. Oh, no. Yeah. And in 1969, uh, Frances married Peter Shankid, and they moved to a remote island off the coast of Scotland. So, uh, in 1970, uh, Diana began her school career. She attended two different boarding schools. She did very poorly academically, but she did very well in sports. Like, she loved swimming and diving. She loved dancing, and she loved helping people. Those were the favorite things that she did. Oh, she sounds like a wonderful lady. Uh, I mean, you know. Yeah. In 1975, her grandfather died. So her father then took over the title of uh, Earl Spencer. And she became, at that point, Lady Diana Spencer. And they moved from Park House to Althorpe House, uh, which is a huge palatial estate in, um, oh gosh, escapes me but in England I'll just say in England <laughs> it's not that far it's not that hard to google so, no yeah uh, in 1976 her father remarried to a lady called Rain R-A-I-N-E and okay. <laughs> she was the ex-wife of the Earl of Dartmouth but she was also incredibly flamboyant and she was very self-promoting uh she also like so when she got married to johnny spencer like one of her main things that she did was to start promoting the althorpe estate and like making it a place for like meetings and things like that all right you wouldn't think, like, in this day and age, like, that's not a big deal. But back then, that was seen as kind of gauche. And the Spencer children absolutely could not stand her. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But in, like, I think it was 78, um, Johnny Spencer had a stroke. And she literally spent her entire, like, she spent the entire time he was in the hospital by his bedside, talking to him, playing his favorite music, interceding for him with doctors and stuff. So she basically, like, nursed him through that. Oh, wow. Like, they didn't really hate her much less, but they did, like, back off of her after that. Because they gave her a little bit of credit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In 1977, uh, Diana's sister Sarah began dating one uh, Prince Charles, Prince of Wales. Oh, yeah. So she, like all of his other girlfriends, had to call him Sir. Oh, yeah. And at one point, she gave an interview to a reporter, which totally ruined any chances she had of be becoming. Uh, princess of wales because she said in the interview she very famously said she didn't care uh she didn't care if she married uh a dustman or the prince of wales she was going to marry whoever she loved and apparently that was yeah (laughs) 
that was the end of that. <laughs> I've watched enough of The Crown to know that you don't you don't say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. And also in the year 1977, Charles uh, met an older Diana. I mean, he knew her from when she lived at Park House as a child. And they were, yeah, when they were kids. Yeah, right, but now he met her when she was like 16 and he was like, oh, hey, Diana. Oh, hey. Okay. Puberty's hitting you nicely. Yeah. Yeah. She's filling out. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Badonkadonk. Anyway. Uh, so... Also in 1977, her parents sent Diana to a Swiss finishing school where they, you know, taught y'all the, like, homemaking arts and that sort of shit. Oh, um, yeah. She only stayed there for, like, a month because she was so homesick. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, in 1979, her mother bought her a flat uh, for you, for her use in uh, the Knightsbridge neighborhood area in London, which is a quite upper class neighborhood, and so she had three flatmates that she rented rooms to um, for eighteen pounds a month was what she charged them. Oh, <laughs> and she often said it was the happiest time of her life. Oh. I guess they were her um, friends or something. Yeah, yeah. And she owned—I mean, she owned the flat, so she didn't really need the money. No, so she could just charge them like basically a, you know, pittance. Yeah, like whatever. Yeah. So That's cool. and, yeah. Oh, I know. She's like super nice. Like she just seems like such a super sweet, like naive but super sweet person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in 1979, uh, Prince Charles's uh, main mentor, Lord Mountbatten, was uh, blown to bits by an IRA bomb at oh, his dear. holiday home in Ireland. And Prince Charles was absolutely devastated by this, as you would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the next year, when Diane and Charles met, she told him how sad he looked at the funeral and how he, she wished that she could, like, that she knew he needed someone to comfort him. And somehow this made its way into Charles's little dark heart. So he invited her onto the royal yacht, and then he invited her to Balmoral in Scotland, one of the royal family's homes. Uh, and that was where she got discovered as his girlfriend. And press intrusion then followed. As it always does. As it always does. So, as ever, the press was all over her like a bad rash. And yeah. out in front of her home, out in front of her where she worked, um, just constantly, like, would not let her alone. So, so at the cool. Yeah. Yeah. The assholes they are. Just leave people alone. Leave Brittany alone. Yeah. Um, in <laughs> 19... I mean... You know, leave Diana alone! Nah. 
Yep. Leave her the fuck alone. So in 1981, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Charles's dad, Prince Philip, he wrote Charles a letter stating that he needed to let Diana, either let Diana go or marry her because the press was making her life untenable. And Prince Charles concluded from this letter that he was being ordered to marry her. I mean, that's not what I got out of it, but hey. Right. Whatever. Uh, on February 3rd, 1981, <laughs> Prince Charles proposed to Diana in the nursery at Windsor Castle. She burst out laughing, and then she said, yes, please. Uh, the engagement was announced on 24th of February, and they had a photo shoot on the grounds behind Buckingham Palace. And that was also the day of the, quote, whatever in love means interview, which is now famous. And after that, she moved out of the flat, her flat that she owned, and into the Queen Mother's house. And the night before she did that, the bodyguard that had been assigned to her told her to enjoy her last night because it was her last night of freedom. Oh. Oh, dear. That's not a good sign. That's not good, no. (laughs) When they tell you that, you... uh... You kind of worry a little bit. Yeah, you want to turn her. You want to turn her around, and maybe yeah, second. You want to do that three point reversing turn. Um, Um, No thanks. No thanks. Bye. (laughs) No, please. No, thank you. No, thank you. So at this point, Diana starts suspecting that Prince Charles is still seeing his old girlfriend, Camilla Parker Bowles, even though she is married and has her kids. So he, she finds uh, gifts from Camilla and to Camilla in Charles's office. And also her bulimia starts ramping up and she lost oh. like 20 or 30 pounds right before the wedding. Uh, she broke down and started crying at a polo match three days before the wedding. But the wedding did go ahead. And, of course, they were married on July 29th, 1981. Um, it was the, quote, wedding of the century, as we know. Uh, yes. Their honeymoon was at Broadlands, which was Lord Mountbatten's estate, and on the Royal Yacht Britannia. And on their honeymoon, Charles brought books, uh, philosophy books to read, uh, while Diana irked him by going into the cruise quarters and he thought fraternizing improperly with them. Oh, you mean like trying to have fun on her honeymoon? Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, his point (laughs) was that she would just walk in there and start talking to them. And they didn't oh, no. know, yeah, oh God. And they didn't know how to react to her doing that because, like, at that point, they're supposed to, like, stand up and salute her or whatever because she's the Princess of Wales and she doesn't really want that, but they don't know what to do. She's making things difficult for them, but she's lonely, so she wants to go. Yeah, yeah, she just wanted to be a normal person for five minutes. Right. Yeah. So we can already see the issues that are 
just gonna get worse. Uh, it hurts my heart for her. Yeah. So uh, they were married. Oh, I already did that. Uh, the announcement that Diana was pregnant was made on November 5th, 1981, uh, right before their first major tour of whales, uh, possibly some dolphins. Uh, they laid, oh, she also uh, later in the pregnancy threw herself downstairs, down some stairs at Sandringham to try to get Prince Charles not to go out riding, which he did anyway. Oh, dear. Yeah. Diana, honey, no. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. And on June 21st, 1982, Prince William was born. Uh, Later the next year, the three of them toured Australia and New Zealand, and they broke tradition by taking William with them. Uh, the tradition normally was to just leave your kids at home for however long you were gone. Well, of course. Yeah. Have kids, um, don't take care of them. Yeah. Uh, in December of 1983, she became pregnant with Harry. And she described that period between that and the birth of Prince Harry as the closest she and Charles would ever be. Wow. Yeah. And on September 15th, 1984, Prince Harry was born. Um, she knew that Prince Charles wanted a girl. So she didn't even tell him what the sex of the child would be, even though she knew. And so he was very disappointed in the fact that it was a girl. He was also disappointed that Prince Harry had red hair. And Diana said she, quote, felt something close off in her, unquote. And from that point on, uh, Charles pretty much went back to Camilla Parker Bowles. And Diana took a few lovers herself. Like her, possibly her bodyguard, Barry Manneke, James Hewitt, James Gilby. Uh, you know, some people. Yep. She, she got around <laughs> a little bit. Some people. Uh in April 1987, she uh, shook hands with an AIDS patient at the Middlesex Hospital in London uh, to dispel the taboos against touching people with AIDS. Um, that was like a huge thing. At the- that, was, that was a big, very big deal at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1989... Uh, Camilla's sister had a birthday party and Diana had been invited kind of as a matter of form and she was expected not to attend but she showed up on her own and she confronted Camilla at the party and said to her I know what's going on don't treat me like I'm an idiot oh yeah okay Uh, Diana yeah (laughs) In 1991, she started working with Andrew Morton on a biography of her. Um, He would write out questions for her and give them to a go-between. And this guy would go see her at Kensington Palace. And she would answer the questions. And then the go-between would take them back to Andrew Morton. That way she would have 
deniability as to like did she help no she didn't oh did she talk like technically they people would ask her well did you talk to him did you say anything to him no no right yeah I also so, feel like maybe the go-between was kind of vetting the questions a little bit. Yeah, might be. Yeah, it's possible to like kind of try to cover their asses a little bit. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure she wasn't gonna answer anything like too revealing. Right. Well, she did talk about James Hewitt in the biography. That- Oh, yeah. There were some things she didn't talk about, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in 1991, okay. So in March, March 29th of 1992, her father died of a heart attack, and she had been told he was getting better. So she went skiing, and suddenly he uh, died alone because everybody thought he was getting better. Oh, um, so it was quite a shock to everyone in May yeah and in May Diana her true story was published and it detailed uh, all the suicide attempts she'd made uh, the fact that Camilla was had been in the relationship for so long you know etc etc it was a huge bombshell Uh, Later, also in 1992, uh, two tapes were published, one of Diana and her probably lover, James Gilby. That was the one called the Squidgy Gate tape, where he called her Squidgy all the way through it. And then also, Squidgy, yeah, that was his nickname for her. Okay. And there also published was the famous tampon tape of Charles and Camilla. Oh. I've never heard of this before. <laughs> <laughs> he wished he he thought he he wanted to get reincarnated as a tampon so he could live in her trousers. Oh 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 yeah ew yeah <laughs> ew that's gross yeah uh, so these. Uh, two tapes had been recorded by amateur radio enthusiasts and sold to the newspapers, but they were not recorded on the day that they happened. So it was a huge, like, mystery as to how these tapes got out. Right. So, and who recorded it in the first place? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the, well, like, the, the, the security services supposedly taped them and then released it and then replayed it at a later date, hoping that somebody would record it. Okay. Now, what they intended to do with this, I really don't know, but <laughs> uh, no. Also late in 1992, 1992 was a huge year. Um, they had they went on a tour charles and diana uh to south korea and this tour was a disaster because they could not hide the fact that they did not want to be with each other and (laughs) as soon as they got back the prime minister john major uh proclaimed in parliament that they had decided to separate 
1993, Diana withdrew from public life and drastically cut down her charity work. Um, but that led to a lot of free time, <laughs> obviously, because in <laughs> 1994, um, she was, I don't remember if she was actually talked to, I think she was talked to by the police. She was definitely contacted by the police because uh, there was a gentleman named Oliver Hoare. Yes, that's his name. H-O-A-R-E. <laughs> and his wife and his household were getting a bunch of nuisance calls they got over 300 calls and they were all traced back to either kensington palace where diana lived or a phone box near kensington palace (laughs) he was prank calling people yep Yep. (laughs) (laughs) prank calling oliver whore prank calling a whore yes she was (laughs) Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I know. Oh my God. Uh, 1995, she met Hasnat Khan, who was a hot heart surgeon, uh, also a Muslim. Oh, uh, they had a Muslim two- heart surgeon. Yeah. Okay. They had a two year affair. And she wanted to marry him and even went to Pakistan to visit his family. But he broke it off with her because he couldn't take the pressure anymore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The pressure of being with an ex-royal or something? Okay. I guess you still have all the press following her. Yeah. They used to have to sneak him in in the trunk of a car. Oh my god. Yeah. So, yeah. There's that. So, after that ended, she uh, unfortunately accepted an offer from uh, Mohammed Al-Fayed, who was a millionaire uh, person. He owned a bunch of shit. Uh, to vacation on his yacht off the south of France. And there she met his son, Dodie, and they had a summer fling. I vaguely remember seeing the tabloid pictures of them on the yacht together. Yeah. Vaguely. This was, what, 95? I was about 97. I was like six at the time so yeah. I vaguely remember seeing the pictures on the tabloids okay so now we get to the events of August 30th to September 6th 1997 okay so at about 4pm on August 30th uh, Dodi and Diana, they flew into Paris on Muhammad Al-Fayed's private jet because Diana was going to fly from Paris to the UK the next day to meet up with her sons. At 4.30, they arrived at the Ritz Hotel, Paris, which was owned by Muhammad Al-Fayed, and went to the owner's suite. 
Uh, Dodie went to a jewelry jewelry store, Raposi Jewelers, from about five thirty to six thirty. Um, at about seven, Dodie and Diana went left the Ritz Hotel and they went to his apartment. They were going to go out to a local restaurant, but the paparazzi were all over the place. So Dodie decided they should go back to the Ritz and have dinner there. However, when they got to the Ritz, he grew convinced that other patrons and waiters in the restaurant were paparazzi and working for the newspapers. So he had their meal moved to the Ritz owner's suite. That's um, fair. Yeah. So this was at about 10, 10.30. And after the meal, Dodie decided instead of staying at the Ritz to go back to his apartment. So the Ritz security team had to organize the car and a bodyguard. Uh, they recruited uh, a man named Henri Paul, who was assistant in charge of security at the Ritz, to drive. And Trevor Reese Jones, who was part of Muhammad Al-Fayed's security team, to be the bodyguard. At about 12.20, they left the Ritz by the back entrance in a rented Mercedes uh, sedan. Uh, while another Mercedes left the front of the Ritz to throw off the paparazzi. But this didn't work. And the paparazzi started following them. At 12.23, the Mercedes struck the 13th pillar in the Pont d'Alma tunnel, uh, oh. which ironically was the site uh, of a temple to the goddess Diana in ancient times. Oh, wow. Yeah. No one in the car had been wearing a seatbelt. Uh, Dodie Alphayed and Henri Paul were killed in, uh, pretty much outright. Trevor Reese Jones was grievously injured, as was Princess Diana, although that was not immediately obvious, but her pulmonary vein and pericardium were torn by the force of the crash. Oh, God. The fire department and ambulance were there after about 10 minutes. However, Diana didn't get to the hospital. Okay, so this is the name of the hospital, and I'm going to butcher it like uh, a butcher. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's the hospital Pitié Salpêtrière. Um, okay. Anyway, so she did not get to that hospital until just after 2 a.m. First, mm -hmm. she had to be cut out of the car. Then she went into cardiac arrest. After being stabilized, she was put in the ambulance and taken very slowly to the hospital. So British and American ambulances operate differently from, um, from French ambulances. So American and British ones, their goal is to get people to the hospital quickly with basic care. French ones are equipped like small hospitals and there's actually a doctor, like there was actually a doctor on board oh. and the goal is to stabilize a person before actually getting them to the hospital. And like he told the 
like he would tell the ambulance to slow down or stop so they could like work on her when things were going south because that way you know without any kind of jostling or anything yeah so yeah um so that's why it took so long for them to get there that makes more sense now yeah uh, they also passed another hospital on the way to that hospital, and it was because the hospital they passed did not have any, um, did not have the equipment or the personnel who were able to handle those kind of injuries. So that's why they kept going. Okay, so the, that hospital yeah. didn't have like a cardiology. Right, exactly. Okay. Uh, okay. So meanwhile, at Balmoral, the or meanwhile, the British ambassador they had had called Robin Janbrun, who was Queen's private secretary, uh, to tell him about the accident. And all of the the Queen, the royal family, and all of her staff were at Balmoral because that's where they have their summer holidays. So Janvrin woke the Queen, and he wrote Prince Charles, uh, who then anxiously waited for updates. So, but unfortunately, despite their best efforts, which included actually internal chest massage, which I was reading was actually like squeezing her heart to make it beat by hand. Oh. Yeah. Oh my. Uh, Yeah. You know, Uh, I think that there was an episode of CSI like that. Yeah. I'm like, nope. Yeah, no, thank you. That's when I was like, no, I'm okay. With You'd that. rather not shove my hand in someone's chest and squeeze yeah, their heart to make it be. <laughs> no, no, thanks. Was taking CPR to a whole new level. Yeah, really. I am not comfortable with. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, she was declared dead at about 4 a.m. Um, the news then began to be leaked and was finally released officially a short time later. Um, at Balmoral, the Prince of Wales thought it would be best to let William and Harry sleep until about seven. Uh, Charles went to tell William the news, and then they both went in to tell Harry. And it was thought that it would be best to keep their regular routine. So the boys and Charles ended up going to church that morning. Um, However, the minister didn't even mention Niana's name. And it was so confusing to Prince Harry that at one point he asked his father if mummy was really dead. Oh. Oh, those poor kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Well, just get ready. <laughs> oh, God. Just get ready. Um, so, meanwhile, most of the United Kingdom was in shock. They were led by the Prime Minister, Tony Blair, who called Diana the People's Princess. And, of course, flowers started appearing at Kensington Palace, Buckingham Palace, Althorpe, Balmoral. Uh, meanwhile, the royal family stayed in seclusion at Balmoral to protect the boys. Or, well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> to either A, protect the boys, or B, try to let the storm pass. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, people grew angrier and angrier that they did stay at Balmoral. 
uh, egged on to some extent, certainly by the tabloid papers. Uh, finally, the royal family came down to London on the Thursday and Friday, and the Queen actually had to make a speech on TV reassuring people that the royal family did actually care about Diana's death. Yeah. Yeah, she actually used the famous, well, the speech was written for her by Tony Blair's speechwriter, which sounds weird well i don't think it was written by him over and he wrote the words to it i say to you what i say to you now i say to you as your queen and as a grandmother and he added the word the words and as a grandmother and that was apparently what tipped the balance back into the royal family's favor Oh, okay. Humanize them a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, On Saturday, September 6th, Diana's funeral was held at Westminster Abbey. Uh, William, Harry, Charles, Prince Philip, and Charles Spencer walked behind the gun carriage for part of the way, which uh, absolutely both boys. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, William particularly has been vocal about saying that he wished he hadn't done it because all he could hear was people wailing. Oh. He said that it was dead quiet except all he could hear was people wailing his mother's name. That's so sad. Terrible. It's horrible. Oh, the whole thing. Yeah. This whole thing is horrible. Yeah. But anyway. So I, of course, picked it as a topic. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Two billion people were estimated to have watched the funeral. And later, Diana was buried alone on an island in a lake at Althorpe. Um, Even before the funeral, though, it emerged that uh, Henry Paul, the driver, had three times the legal limit of alcohol in his blood, as well oh. as med- yeah, as well as medication to help treat alcoholism. Oh. And so, in the wake of this, and in the wake of the revelation that no one was wearing a seatbelt, uh, several what you might call conspiracy theories emerged, which are still bandied about to this day. And now we're going to talk conspiracy theories. Ooh. Okay. All right. And so some people, okay, so conspiracy theory one. Some people have alleged that Henri Paul was in the pay of a secret service. No one is entirely sure which. But he um, had a huge amount of money. Uh, 170,000 pounds in 15 different bank accounts. Oh, holy shit. And he supposedly made that as a deputy head of security at a hotel. Oh. So, um, and Operation Paget, which was the British, um, investigation into diana's death 
denied that Henri Paul was in any way any kind of secret service agent, but they could never really, no one could ever really explain where that 170,000 pounds came from. Hmm. Um, opponents of the official theory also claimed that Henri Paul could not have had a blood alcohol level as high as was claimed and have been acting as sober as he was on Ritz Hotel security footage. Um, so some people claimed it wasn't his blood which was used in the test. Others claimed that the tests were wrong. Um, in 2009, DNA samples confirmed that the blood tested was Henri Paul's and that he did have three times the legal limit of alcohol in his system. However, another test uh, claimed that he had a carbon, I don't know what the hell this all means, but it's a carbon monoxide hemoglobin saturation level of 20.7%, which means that a few hours earlier, it would have been about 40%. And at that level, he would barely have been functioning. What? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, that's... So there's some kind of weird thing going on with... Still going on with his blood. Yeah. I don't don't know. That's weird. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So... For, okay, so we are at uh, conspiracy theory number three. Uh, he, former MI6 officer Richard Tomlinson compl- uh, claimed that MI6 was involved, said that Omri Paul worked for MI6, uh, as did either Trevor Reese Jones or another bodyguard of the Alphiads, Kess Wingfield. Um, in 2008, Tomlinson then claimed he misremembered what he'd said, even though he testified the day before that Henri Paul had been an MI6 agent. Uh, his testimony in France was ruled an exaggeration, and at one point he was actually arrested. So, Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. So, here we go. One of the biggest theories, and also the pet theory of one Muhammad al-Fayed, uh, was that uh, Dodi and Diana were about to get married, and the British establishment wasn't about to let the mother of a future king marry a Muslim. That seems uh, he, logical. Yeah. He even claimed Diana was pregnant by Dodie, and he claimed that Prince Philip, Diana's sister Lady Sarah, and numerous others had arranged for Diana to be killed. And he even claimed that Diana and Dodie were going to announce their engagement on Monday, September 1st, 1997, so the day after she died. Um... However, several pieces of evidence contradicted this. Uh, When Dodie visited the jewelers on the afternoon of the crash, he left with only a catalog, even though Muhammad al-Fayed claimed he had bought her a tell-me-yes ring. Um, And oddly enough, a ring was purchased later uh, by Muhammad al-Fayed himself after the accident. Uh, oh. And this was all recorded on closed-circuit TV. 
Um, also, several people who were close to Diana, including uh, her sister, Lady Sarah, Diana's butler, Paul Burrell, Diana's friend, Lady Annabelle Goldsmith, and her psychic, Rita Rogers. Yeah, she had a psychic. All, all claimed that Diana told them uh, that she was not looking to get married at all. And Diana's former boyfriend, Hasnat Khan, testified that Diana had uh, tested the waters of a possible marriage to him with the royal family, and no one had opposed it. And in fact, Prince Charles had given his blessing. Oh. So they weren't, definitely weren't against her, him, her marrying a Muslim. Right. Uh, yeah. Most believe that Diana had not gotten over Hosnot Khan before her death and that a lot of the things she was doing was to get kind of get back at him or show him that she had gotten over him, which she clearly hadn't. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, she needed a heart surgeon at her death. Right. Yeah. That would have been. Well, if she like that's the thing. If she married, if she'd end up staying with him, she never would have been in that tunnel. She never would. No, have been. she wouldn't have been. Yeah. Uh, anyway, also multiple observers who had seen Diana during her autopsy had seen her womb, and she was not pregnant. Uh, her blood from the floor of the Mercedes had no pregnancy hormones in it. Uh, and Muhammad al-Fayed convinced, quote-unquote, members of his staff to testify that Diana and Dodi had gone to the former home of the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, which Muhammad al-Fayed owned, to talk to a designer about redecorating the house for the couple. However, once again, uh, closed-circuit uh, closed TV disproved this claim. Um, since the Italian decorator was never there and the couple only spent about Half an hour there instead of a couple hours. Well, it sounds like that Muhammad Al-Fayed just wants to get attention out of it, too. Oh, yeah. Uh And he's just trying to insert himself into the royal family and, like, I don't know. Oh, he totally is, yeah. He seems fishy to me. So, I only have about ten minutes, so I'm gonna go over these last few. There are several. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some people claim that there was a lack of working closed circuit cameras along the route, and that was supposed to be evidence of some kind of conspiracy. But most of the cameras that were on the route belonged to stores, and not coincidentally, the stores had their cameras pointed toward the entrance of the store and not the street oh so that was why well yeah that was why they didn't have a lot of closed circuit that was why they didn't have the closed circuit tv um okay then there is the famous fiat uno uh fiasco um so when the police started examining the wreckage and started talking to eyewitnesses they figured out that the mercedes had been struck glancingly by a white fiat uno car well like a little baby compact oh and muhammad al-fayed of course he did 
claimed that the Fiat, uh, which hit the Mercedes, was owned by a French photographer named Jean-Paul Andenson, uh, who was a paparazzo. Because of course he was. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And when police, uh, and that it was used by MI6 to cause the crash. That was part of Muhammad al-Fayed's theory. But when police investigated, they found that Andenson's Uno was inoperable. Um, Also, that he could not have been in Paris at the time of the accident. However, his body was found in a burned-out BMW in 2000, and his death was attributed to suicide. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And so, yeah, that's always been kind of weird to me. Yeah. Well, apparently there was a hole in his head that was, they said, was caused by the fire in his burned out car. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. We'll go with that. Uh, The Fiat might also have belonged to a French taxi driver named Lee Van Ton identified by some eyewitnesses in the tunnel as the quote-unquote agitated man that they saw driving the car and in 2006 his father claimed that uh, Lee had spray painted the white car uh, red hours after the crash we're painting the white car red (laughs) yeah I know because it hit Diana's car because I hit that out of car and we need to make it look like a different one. Yeah. We need to make sure it's red. We're painting I mean, the white car red. Oh, that would be a good round. Like, someone starts out with, we're painting the white car red, and then someone goes, we're painting the white car red, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some eyewitnesses claim to have seen a bright flash in the tunnel that would have blinded the driver of the Mercedes, but other eyewitnesses didn't. Uh, some claim that Diana was a religious, quote-unquote, user of seatbelts, so the fact that she wasn't wearing one was somehow sinister. Or she was just like, it's just a very chaotic situation. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the conspiracy theories is about the ambulance that it why it took so long to get there we've already talked about right uh also Muhammad al-fayed's body and this is just oh god this is heartbreaking okay more heartbreak uh al-fayed claimed that diana's body was embalmed quickly to prevent any kind of sign of her pregnancy However, <laughs> it was very hot in Paris the day. And although ice and air conditioners were put in the room at the hospital where her body was kept, it was not successful in keeping decomposition from progressing. So since Prince Charles and Diana's two sisters and French President Jacques Chirac all wanted to view the body before its return to the UK, the local superintendent of police uh, approved the verbally approved the embalming even though any body likely to be the subject of an autopsy was not supposed to be involved so that's why she got involved 
Because she was decomposing and they wanted to make her. She was decomposing fast. And those are the main conspiracy theories. But as we know, the real conspiracy is don't let a drunk guy drive your car. Yeah. That. And that's the life and death of our people's princess, Diana, Princess of Wales. Yay, that was good. Uh, Thank you. Now, granted, as you and I both know, I could talk about this for, like, hours. Oh, yes. (laughs) Like, like, literally, I was not sure how long this was going to go because I just took, like, real basic notes, like, basic notes. And I was like, I could either talk about, this could either last for 30 minutes or 20 hours. It's really hard to tell. You know. But we made it to about an hour. Right. Yeah. Um. All right. Tune in next time for the 1,000 Day Street Spectacular. Yeah. Well, that's all I'm going to say on that. Oh, man, I can't wait. Oh, man, I can't wait to have the nightmares I'm going to have after that one. Yes. Yeah. All right. And then we're going to maybe have a guest. Oh, yes. In the not too distant future, not anything that, not any guess that anybody knows, but that's okay. No, you we you heard his name before. We know him, and that's all that matters. Right. Um. Until then, though, we have an email. Yeah. At creepykentucky@gmail.com. Not yes. Just creepy Kentucky. Send us an email. Say hi. We're lonely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We also have a Twitter and an Instagram. Yeah, at Creepy Kentucky. There's your at Creepy Kentucky. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I know who we're going to add on this one. Sounds like Muhammad Al-Fayed, maybe. (laughs) Muhammad Al-Fayed, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the British, Royal British family, but. Oh, let's do that instead. Yeah. Yeah, Let's do that instead. (laughs) All right. All right. Three. Two, one, go. British royal family. family. What, what the absolute hell? hell. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs>